expectations have been put oh. on to 2021 because yeah. of what occurred in the 2020. Therefore, it will be interesting to see um, what actually happens. And we're already getting a small dose. Yeah. <laughs> what's actually? I was gonna been say. What happening. do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Interesting to see what's going. 2021 has proven to be a phenomenal extension of 2020 so far. So that's good. But yeah. sprinkled with bits of hope. Let's not say that there hasn't been some, oh, that's, that's some nuggets pros. of gold that have happened, right? Yes, you, you've had the uh, elections, elections in Georgia went, went well for uh, right. people of the democratic persuasion. If that is your persuasion. But generally, just in, for democracy, it was pretty good. But there's also been so so much so there's that thing there's the thing that happened at the capitol alan i now granted we don't have a political analyst an, an analyst that we invite on the show uh we should find one um no it's, we're just point. gonna have to suffice for now first of all yeah we're good for now cheers to 2021 before we just jump into the what's making it very difficult for me I, I i didn't have a drink with anyone on new year's but that's not to say i had a great new year's with my parents i hope you had a good new year's as well i did yeah I had several drinks with several people. All right, that's all I need to say now. Let's go ahead and jump into what has been going on. There was So how a, do you feel, Alan? How do, how, feel? how do you I don't know. How, how do you I feel? Think. It's tough, man. First of all, I okay, one of the things as being someone who like you and a lot of our friends have um, worked internationally and worked around mm -hmm. in different parts of specifically Asia, Southeast Asia or anyone who's worked around the world, if you're American right now, but you've also have many friends around the world who obviously see what's happening to America from the outside perspective. Mm. Like it's pretty embarrassing. I think that's it's the embarrassing. Thing. I was trying to tell my parents that and they're like, why is it embarrassing? You should be fresh. I am frustrated, but also I'm really embarrassed because this should not happen to what we thought was a stable democracy, a, a stable political system. It's definitely revealing uh, as to how delicate the balance is anyone listening knows what we're talking about we should just frame it real quick right there was an enormous uh not enormous actually it wasn't even that big it was an insurgence or an insurrection to the capital of the united mm -hmm. states government while they were trying to count the already certified votes um that our country had cast to vote joseph biden as the next president of the United States, and yet a bunch of Trump supporters turned a protest into a riot and stormed the Capitol. No, that's Here it is. that's essentially what happened. Uh, you yeah. had the pre Did I? current sitting president of the country rile them up and then basically tell them to go to the Capitol and cause problems, um, which they then did do. More than I'm sure, I actually, I don't know what he expected. What did Donald Trump expect to happen from his, you know, from his rhetoric? Or, you know, I mean, there were people said worse things, right? Rudy Giuliani said uh, trial by combat. He literally said yeah. that to the people. Do you think Trump thought this was going to happen? Like, was this his his goal? Or is he just trying to stir the shit and try to get people on his side? I don't, or get more money? I, I don't know. So, I, I mean, he's he's definitely about riling his base and sure. and and being this figure that says shit. Like, they, it's what they want. They want him to say those kinds of things. And he knows that's what they want, therefore he does it. Um, I don't know if he thought that's how far it was going to go. Um, I didn't think it was going to go mean, that far. What did you think? I didn't think it was going to go that far. No, I mean, 
I wasn't surprised. No, I mean, yeah. They but, called but, for but, it. But I didn't. I also didn't really think that's the direction that, I mean, I woke up that morning and I saw like an Instagram post and I was like, what? And then I went to CNN and I was like, oh fuck. And then I started watching all the videos on YouTube. I was like, oh, that's, that's horrible. It could be possible for him to actually think that they could go in there and like- Gently persuade something enough To give him, well, just they could, they could stop the, the counting, of, counting of the votes to make it official. And give him more time to do something. What that would be, I don't know, a more, I don't know. There, there's that, that's a possibility. And then there's also the possibility that, um, you know, he just says stupid shit all the time. Didn't really think that through because he never does. And then that's what went down. If there's one thing we know about what Trump says is that he's almost never culpable for it. Like, no. he's never really had to suffer any ramifications for the things that he says, whether it's on Twitter or in person. Like, he, he says the most outlandish things. And because he says it so often, we just kind of go, oh, it's well, just that, like, oh, that's, that's what he what does. He says. And, but they really believe that this election was fraudulent and stolen. One of the scariest things about some of the footage that I saw wasn't necessarily the act of these mm. people that were storming the Capitol in itself. Scary enough. But Very it scary. was the legitimate anger and passion that a good amount of these people had. Like they, they actually felt that this is the only way for them to save the country that they love was through an actual revolution of some kind by storming the Capitol. Like they felt in their heart that, they, that the, they had been wrong so much that this was it. This was the only way. That's the scary part. Because that's not... That is, that cause, is definitely... Because storming, storming the Capitol goes away. Storming the Capitol can be stopped and it's done. That feeling, that idea that's within them, that's, that's a cultural thing now. That's a Trumpism cultural uh, phenomenon that is now ingrained into a large enough population within the country. It's a lot of people, This man. shit can happen, huh? I said it's a lot of people. I don't think I realized how many people were, were uh, kind of falling into this kind of um, Trump, Trumpism to this extent to where they felt that impassioned and wronged by the rest of the country that they would do this kind of stuff until this and now you're, you're just like oh no it's a lot there's so many there's so many different facets of this situation that make me entirely uncomfortable and frustrated like the part that you're talking about i think is also the most scary is just how passionate mm -hmm. and and angry they are about this right but there are other elements to this as well just like uh how many conspiracies have been founded to keep them going so much so that anything else that tries to disprove to them that what they're hearing is wrong is automatically yeah. going to be assumed to be a conspiracy. If, if anyone tried yeah. to convince any one of these people that they're wrong. So for example, all of the social media companies taking Trump completely off their platforms on to, yeah. to anyone who is against what happened at the Capitol, we say good. And thank God he mm -hmm. can no longer incite these people to attack our politicians. 
But on the yeah. other side, on the other side, they're thinking, yeah. well, of course, this is what they're doing. It is a global yeah. conspiracy they're to quiet against the us. truth. They are. Th this is this is their really? dystopian nightmare coming yeah. to fruition. Right. You can't do anything to convince them. So, like so, in, so it's weird, right? Because it, like, if they read 1984 by Orwell, they're like, "Oh my God, they're cutting down Big Brothers um, here, our social media platforms, and, and trying to control our thoughts." And then when somebody that's a, a Democrat or a liberal reads 1984 George Orwell, they're like, "Oh my God, Trump is out there brainwashing all these people. He is the Big Brother." Uh, like, like, so it's like we're two different worlds. And so I was watching. Um, before we hopped on, I was watching a little bit of Fox, Fox News, and I watched a little bit of CNN News. Yeah, get a little. Yeah. They, well, okay, you know what? Tell me, tell me, how different or kind? It's both of them. They're both fucking so nightmarish. Well, that's it's not just our Fox. political. That's where our whole country CNN is. Too. We're so polarized. Huh? We're so polarized. It's a, it's a, that you, so you've got you've got fucking, and, and I usually like Jake Tapper, but for I'm a, fuck's I like sake, Jake Tapper. He's I like smug. him. He seems like a he's cool a guy. Smug, but he, like but this, but this dude. So he's got, I guess it's the the head of the National Guard, on to talk about their delayed response. Okay. And Jake Tapper's doing the same shit that I fucking see Tucker Carlson do, just from a left, from just from a Democratic perspective. He's trying to funnel the the head of the National Guard down this path of him saying that that they were slow to react because of a political conspiracy. Um, to stop it. Now, there are, sure, maybe, maybe I mean, that could happen. We, I don't know. Maybe we should talk a little bit about not the political Bottom line is how bottom, these fuckers got into the Capitol. Yeah, we should. Like, we'll talk about bottom line is there's though, a race thing here too that we need to talk about. But yeah, there is. continue because um, I like where you're going. Bottom line is, is the guy that, that's heading up the National Guard was basically like, hey, you know, was was there a, a lack of preparedness? Yes. Um, does that mean that there was political motives behind it? He was like, no. He's, he, the guy was just like, no. He's like, we went through the same normal protocols that we usually do. Um, we, we tried to act in a, a manner that we, we thought would be right. We were told to wait for a certain period of time. We then... You know, they, they, according to him, he was like, we went through our protocols, blah, blah, and Jake Tapper kept being like, well, what about the, were you guys politically, blah, 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 being forced to do this? Is there a conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's like, no, 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 no. And I just kind of like, Jake, you said it once. Don't keep, because you're turning into a Fox guy. Now, just like pushing him down this path. I've uh, seen spin, it he's, on, he's trying to spin it. And then you go, and then you go to Fox News, and it's just the same crap from the other side. And it's just like, that's uh, where everyone is now, man. But that's what yeah. I think that's what happens when emotions are so high, when tension is yeah. so high, when people, because look, everybody in the news organizations is biased in some direction or the other, right? And yeah. to present a truly objective view is not really being honest. But when emotions get high and like everyone gets more, I don't know, worked up about everything, their, their political motives or their own intentions will come through more. Um, I don't blame happen for being like that but he should be more i don't know if there was necessarily a political conspiracy but to a certain right. like to a certain extent the lack of preparedness or sometimes it sounds from reports like just disorganization like they yeah. just they weren't prepared for this but 
the fact that they weren't prepared for this says something about what they thought was going to happen when all signs yeah. pointed to pretty significant chaos and it was all public and all of their communication like they made them their so, intentions were well known so the fbi knew exactly what was going on so they had people that they're investigating that they were already investigating before this that they knew that they were obviously surveillancing uh you know right extremists that they knew were about to go show up there that ha that and these guys had were planning to bring weapons and to organize like an actual storming of the Capitol with weapons, with multiple people. And the FBI showed up at their front doors and went, we know what you're doing. We're on to you. If you leave your city and head to the Capitol, you will be arrested immediately. And so everybody that they went to the doors of didn't show up. So yeah. it, can you imagine? It could have been worse. It could have been so it much worse. It could have been so much worse. So it was, only an, it was only so unorganized because the FBI was on it. Yeah. And Bass was like, hey, no. I think that's what a lot of people maybe are realizing is how much worse it could have been. Because just like the story you're saying, they stopped mm. people at the border with weapons. Like they kept people from coming into Washington, D.C. If they had magazines or clips that exceeded a certain capacity, like for example, the leader of the Proud Boys was arrested before he was ever able to get into Washington, D.C. Right. So like, there were a lot of people who didn't pass that. So, And thank God that there was at least that. But I think my yeah. biggest frustration and the, the alarm bells that were going off in my head as I was uh, witnessing and hearing what was going on was mm. how, how did they even come close to getting in? And then how was there not an immediate significant strong response to get them out because they were in there for a while I think like they were they were they were hanging out and they were chilling and then there's obviously stories of police officers taking selfies with the crowd like there's a lot of different stories about police officers who were lenient towards their causes right and that's a whole nother issue they were, because i mean they're obviously outmanned so i think you, you run into a situation where they were not prepared they did not have the why the the, that's the my people biggest there the what why my question is why that's the biggest frustration if this were a black lives matter movement and it's been said before and i know we can both agree yeah if this were a black no. lives matter movement it would have been armed to the teeth yeah um i mean and they did right there was a black lives matter uh protest outside dc and you had the national guard actually at one point in front of the capitol standing in front of it why that didn't happen this time good freaking question yeah. Um, and they're investigating as it, far so we as, shouldn't say it's not going to, like, they're looking into yeah. it. Yeah. As far as, yeah, I, I think, obviously, I, I think, and I think that's the answer. Like, why are these people allowed to just storm into the Capitol? I think, well, they didn't prepare and put the National Guard there. That's the answer. And then you had um, police, Capitol Police, that were just outmanned. So, I mean, what, what do you do? Uh, yes, there's, I mean, there's a lot of a racial conversation that can be had, but, I mean, that aside... Um, you have a very few capital police and then you've got <laughs> 10,000 people that stormed oh, yeah. the damn capital. Like, I'm not saying like, that the I police mean, so, so your options are any better. Yeah. And I think, and I think so, and I think they probably knew that they weren't really armed. Right. So I think it was kind of one of those situations where when it started happening, yeah, what do you do? Cause do you do you start shooting them? Do you start shooting a bunch of people? Is that is that worth it? 
No, um, you don't. You don't. Or, or do you? Or you just say, okay, let's make sure, um, you know, uh, the people in Congress are, are, are safe, as safe as possible, blah blah blah, and like, okay, let's try and slow them down. I mean, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked more people didn't get killed. Like, yeah, I am shocked. too. I mean, there were, look, we both know there were, there were pipe bombs. There was a van located near the Capitol, just armed with yeah. all kinds of weapons inside. Like it was, it's insane. And they're going to try it again. Now, whether, I don't think that they're going to be underestimated this time. And, and I do think a certain amount of it was just negligence and yeah. underestimating the crowd and where they were going to go with it. Because there have been protests outside of the Capitol many, many times, mm -hmm. but they've never actually tried to breach the Capitol, you know? And I, no. I think that's another thing that made me really upset is that they got it so wrong. They like protests are a thing and yet they did it so wrong so that their whole cause was undermined because let's be honest, there's been such a backlash towards, towards Trump that it's, oh, it's yeah. hard to believe that they feel like their cause was advanced. I don't know. I mean, I actually. But I mean, the thing is, in their in their little circles, their networks, as they're talking to each other online, they're just riling each other up more. And and again, I, I I'm not sure how many of these people are, are out there. I, I mean, it'd be interesting for the FBI to give us a figure on like actual how many Trump extremists that are in these little group chats having these types of conversations are out there. Uh, I mean, they know for sure, right? Um, so, yeah, it's interesting, right? Um, it's just because you know, cause, Justin, because they're gonna, they, huh? Well, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's there's a lot. It's it's scary, but it's also it's also interesting because like, what are these people going to do? Because they obviously know they're being monitored now. So now they've literally this is like spy a lot stuff of them now. They've got to like, communicate already. with like notes and like mail things to each other to plan well, stuff. Like um, it's all about pigeons these days. Have you heard about the new the newest influx of just like super highly trained uh, pigeons? and carrier pigeons. No, are they, are they using pigeons? Well, no, but like there's a, there's a new, it's a, it's a more advanced technological like training of pigeons so that there's like a, some type of beacon sound that they follow. It's crazy. Hmm. No, just, I'm just bullshitting you. No. I believe, I, I do, pigeons are smart. But to be honest, they might. like they've been taking off, they've been taken off. You, so many you said that as a joke. I guarantee you in two weeks, there's a new story about, <laughs> new about political extremists using pages to communicate. So they're not being surveilled by the FBI. I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel really responsible at that point. And also if this goes live, it might track me down and be like, sir, Alan Wong. Yeah. Are you using so we, we heard that you were, you were the creator of the, <laughs> of the pigeon messaging. Are you on the technology. black pigeon market? You're, you're, you no. are the founder of black um, okay, I want to I want to change change directions only slightly because there was actually something. Mm. I, first of all, I was very much looking forward to talking to you about this because we talk we talk about politics all the time, and I know we both get heated up about about stuff. But there's an element to this now that's happened after the storming, right? And I think we've covered that not covered, but I mean we've we talked about it. So this whole idea of Trump being banned from Twitter and being taken off Facebook and Parler losing Amazon hosting services took, took off their website hosting capabilities. Yeah. The Apple store, Google play, right? No longer offers Parler, mm -hmm. which is if anyone who's listening doesn't know is a, an, an app. Tell me if I'm wrong. It's a chatting or 
community. Like, it's basically like a conservative Twitter. Very Republican and, and conservative. It's like a conservative Twitter. Okay. And there's another one called Conservative Republican Twitter. But yeah. the thing is, so not only has stuff like that parlor gone down, but also Trump's been banned from a lot of these social media sites. Mm. Actually, most of them. And obviously the response on the conservative end is that, well, there goes the entire concept of free speech or freedom of speech, right? Right. And so, and so now this is like a real debate. And I know that the ACLU is, has came, come out with statements a little bit kind of towing the line on both sides saying this is, this is overdue that Trump is being more censored on social media, but also mm. being concerned about these idea, the idea that these private corporations are, are taking it upon themselves to censor people's speech now i have my own opinions and i, I won't say it yet because i'm actually super curious about what you think about it yeah but that's that's been in my mind right now it's because it's it's fresh twitter and our president yeah i am conflicted um as i thought you for, would be. it's I, it's it's really complicated i mean I, i'll say this right now i'm so happy he's that man is off twitter i know right like my knee-jerk reaction when I saw that he was off Twitter was, why, why only until now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I, I think, but my knee-jerk reaction when I saw that they just shut down Parler, my knee-jerk reaction was, oh, fuck, wait a second. That's, that's kind of nuts. But then, I, as I read a little bit more on it, I started to realize there was so much violent rhetoric conservative extremist rhetoric that was apparently happening on Parler, where they were actually planning to do violent things. Apparently there was enough of that where they were like, we got to squash this. So, I mean, I, I don't know how much of that was going on there, but if there's enough of that on an app to where uh, enough, a high enough percentage of that happening on an outlet, we're just like, this is, this is about to cause some problems. I mean, what do you do? You, you gotta, somebody's gotta take initiative and be like, sorry guys, we can't allow you guys to communicate in this way. Like, because that's, that's got to that's be in breach of, of the, the contract to use that social media platform. Um, with regards to banning a president off social media, um, and obviously you can make the comparison, you know, people say lies all the time, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's freedom of speech. I think political world leaders have to be held to a higher standard with regards to lying on social media apps. Uh, because Interesting. of because of the amount of followers they have, especially leaders that make policy, and um, like if they're just if it's just obvious they're just straight up lying over and over and over again, they have to be held to a higher standard. And I think now I'm not saying that it should be Twitter necessarily that makes that call or Facebook that makes that call. God knows. Uh, there's a lot of calls that Facebook makes that they shouldn't be making. Um, yeah. But there needs to be some sort of body that's in charge of these types of things. I think probably that power needs to be taken away from the actual social media platforms and another government body needs to be set up, whether that's a federal government body that's uh, created by the federal government of the US or maybe, maybe there needs to be an international body uh, that's, that's maybe uh, created by the United Nations or something. Uh, that way you can get more, more of a, a broad kind of view on things because because obviously the things that trump tweets don't just affect the us they affect the world they affect uh different economies um they affect uh, you know I mean, 
one thing that I, I was thinking of the entire time as I'm watching what, what uh, kind of transpired at the Capitol was, hey, you know, going to other countries and telling them that they're doing democracy wrong is kind of the U.S.'s thing. That's our soft power, right? Like, instead of going, that, that's yeah. how we, like, negotiate with countries to essentially get what we want as, as a nation. Is be we like, have hey, this figured out. We, we, we got this figured out. Listen to us. Yeah. We'll give you guys some aid. Let's do this democracy thing. And let's, let's make some trade deals. Or, hey, we want to put a military base here. Or, hey, align with us and not Russia and China because we're your boys. And that whole thing at the Capitol, we're, we're going to need some good salesmen now to be going over there as our diplomats to make these deals happen. Because oh, we lost some street cred. That's what's so, yeah. And that's what it is, essentially. Is and I think, and I think that does, cred. yeah. And I think that does go back around to why there you need this body that maybe does is in charge of like what political leaders can say okay so i don't know it's but then at the same so time it's like, then, then who's in then who's oh. in charge of that body i know that, and that's, like that's then, does that become the big so brother many, situation it's freaking social so media is responses. horrible in okay general. so so you said a lot of stuff there and uh, here's the thing about having an international. I'm, I'm thinking about what I just said, and I'm not even sure I agree with it now. No, no, I know, it. but it's it's worth talking about. It's worth say, mentioning, right? Yeah. Because on the on on the one hand, it actually sounds very legitimate to have a governing body that could, you know, and the, but here's the problem: is it censoring or is it just trying to monitor or whatever? I think first of all, having an international body that co covers all of global social media would be terrible. Because I think if, if there's anything, it needs to be local and uh, like specified or specific to yeah. the local region, at least a little bit. But what, what I found the most interesting about what you said is that you went actually, I think, a step further from what Twitter was actually saying. Mm. Because you said that you felt that political leaders had uh, a responsibility to be truth or, or, or uh, had, how, had to be held to a higher standard when it came to being mm honest on social media or at least not creating falsehoods or terrible lies right mm -hmm. and that i'm not saying i disagree with you because i do think that all of political leaders should be held to the highest standard of honesty and truth mm -hmm. and sincerity um but that's also maybe a slightly different thing from the idea of inciting violence and mm -hmm. and calling which is actually a real thing which i never thought that we would have to talk about which is the president calling for violence against his own government or just you know, and so I think that Twitter started tagging Trump's tweets for the same reason you were talking about, which was like he needs to be held to a higher standard. He can't just yeah. outright like outright blatantly lie and create complete yeah. falsehoods about an election. And he they were flagging him for that, but then they just they cut it out completely. They suspended him completely when it came to bringing violence yeah. upon you know upon the Capitol. And I think because it it became dangerous. These are also private corporations. I think that that was one of the things that I was thinking about a lot too, is that there, this is not like a, a freedom of speech that's not being inhibited by the government, right? A freedom of speech that is, that is free from governmental control. These aren't governments. And you mentioned also, yeah. you sign a contract when you join any of these social media companies, right? And a lot of it is mm -hmm. they own your content or a lot of it is that they have the ability to tell you you can't say this or that. Yeah. And so now we're into this weird realm where is, is freedom of speech like a value that we need to hold dear when it comes to our personal relationship with a private corporation? Like, do they I have mean, responsibility to protect our freedom of speech if we sign, our, sign away whatever we choose to sign away to? They, they do. Weird. 
right? I mean, because social media has become a form of speech, right? Uh, the most powerful outlet of speech at this point. Which so, is, uh, and it's does... crazy because we wouldn't have been here even 10 years ago, not even close. But also, it, it, we should point out that freedom of speech is looked at differently across the entire world. Yep. Right? And so we're, we're approaching this from a, a very American standpoint, which I think we should point out is, a, is one ex- actual extreme on the spectrum of what freedom of speech. Yep. Americans take freedom of speech very seriously. Um, yeah. And it's not, that, it's not that way in a lot of other places. No, especially, I mean, uh, a lot of countries in Asia do not have the same uh, freedoms with regards to their speech uh, as, as the U.S. does. But um, you pay a price for freedom of speech. I think that's what we're learning, right? Chaos can be sown, Hopefully which is why it's so important to have an educated populace that elects leaders and that is willing to hold those leaders accountable when they screw up. Which is the um, only way democracy was meant to be able to work, right? And, yes. you know, one of the things I keep hearing from, like, either news pundits or reading articles is the concept that democracy is fragile. It's, especially with such a large nation and such a huge population, it's tough. It is delicate. The idea that we should all be able to have different opinions and then discuss it out so that we come to mm. a mutual understanding is a pretty lofty goal. It's been working kind of, yeah. at least in most of my lifetime, until now. I mean, it's still working, you know? Sure. We're not, we're not at a... It's, you know, there's, there's always going to be some bumps in the road there. Um, do you, so do you think he should be impeached? Oh, that's a whole other yeah. bag of chips. Um, do you even think that he can be impeached with the short amount of time left that he has in office? He could realistically be impeached with like a day left of his presidency. I would love and I'm very biased. I would love to see him impeached. Uh, do I think that would further the gap and even more greatly polarize the nation? I don't know. I, I think the nation might be so polarized that the effect yeah, of the I'm not sure it's gonna make has a difference. no like and no bearing whatsoever on how on the yeah, I, I heard between us. Yeah, I was listening to Lindsey Graham make the argument against the impeachment, saying that that would divide the country more. And I'm kind of like, first of all, fuck you, Lindsey Graham. Yeah, in like all you, ways. You, you don't get to be concerned about dividing the country after the shit that you've been pulling for the past several years. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think internationally, it is useful to hold him accountable in some way. Whether that mean he's forced to resign, whether that mean they, they um, implement the 25th Amendment, or whether he's impeached. Because, I mean, again, like other countries are looking at this and, and you know, you're, you're gonna have other, other countries be like, he was your boy for four years, then he did this and you, you guys did nothing. Like other countries could make the argument, you created military coups in our countries in the past for that same shit. Like, like, so it's like, and you're not even gonna hold him accountable in any way. I think he has to be held responsible after he's out of office, no matter what. And I think that's going to be necessary. Um, And I don't know what that's going to look like, whether it's, you know, being prosecuted in any, any court that might be interested, which might be most of them. Um, Several courts will be being impeached, uh, being prevented from ever running for office again, which I think is a big point. Um, There's conversation about even if he hasn't been impeached, they can still vote so that he can never run for office again. Because 
oh god damn it he's already talking about maybe running again and that is it's terrifying the swift kick to the nutsack that's what that that's what that is that's painful um so something something like that i think something has to be done um we're just gonna have to see what can be done i mean jesus they didn't vote to impeach him the first time or they didn't vote to remove him from office in the Senate the first time. So why do we think that they're going to do that again? How uh, much, like, well, because how now there's a lot of people that are aligning against him to save their political careers out of, Sorry, I'm out of their own self-interest. Right a lot of self-interested people. Do you think people like, uh, was it Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz? should be removed from the Senate or should, should, should be forced to resign? Uh, Josh Hawley's Josh Hawley, I think should be pretty bad. Why not? Why not Ted Cruz then and Josh Hawley? If you're going to take out Ted Cruz is a lot of other people that need to be taken down too. So then it becomes a bit of a witch hunt scenario. Now. Great. So Ted Cruz had that one rally in Georgia where he said a couple of things that were, that were inflammatory. Um, but it wasn't, that wasn't at the actual rally in DC. Um, he did not help. It, it, again, it was obviously he hindered things more than helped them. I, 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 I dislike Ted Cruz even more now than I did before, obviously. I, um, yeah, which is saying a lot. I don't know if what he did right now with everything that's going on, I'm not sure if it helps to force him to resign. Um, Cause then you've got to go after a bunch of other people as well. Uh, I think Josh Holly, uh, fuck that guy. <laughs> fair, fair enough. He just, yeah. he just seems like such a douche. Can I be honest? I'm a little scared of Josh Holly. Um, I feel yeah. as though he's trying to put himself, oh, him and Ted Cruz and anyone else trying to follow Trump, mm. putting themselves right in position to try to take over Trump's base try to garner that support or that, that anger, that yeah. energy, right? And you know what? He seems a lot slicker and smarter than Donald Trump. And anyone who is as evil as Donald Trump yeah. and smarter is and smarter. infinitely more dangerous. Yeah. Josh Hawley's well, scary. But he's definitely you know scary. What? I think we, we, we know he's already shown himself to be who he is. Hopefully that's, I mean, let's, you pointed out, there are a lot of Republicans now who are, who are coming out and finally admitting that we need to move on as a country i mean better late than never but also like way fucking uh, late <laughs> so irritating so it's just because now they know that politically for them to survive they have to part ways it's like, like really two weeks left guys thanks thanks a lot you really did us a lot of good at this point america america thanks you make america great again but on the other side i was andrew schultz's take on it was pretty good did you watch that clip I sent you? I didn't. I didn't watch it. In fact, you know what? It I should watch like, it right now. No, no, it's too long. Oh, is it long? All right, I'll have to. Uh, give me a. He's his. He said that was a weak coup. That was a pussy ass coup. He's like, why are we getting upset about this coup? He's like, they go in and <laughs> he goes, they go in and they're taking selfies with cops. That's not a coup. <laughs> it's like they're live streaming. Uh, uh, I was kind of like. He made a, he actually made a really good point. He goes, people don't care about buildings anymore. Things take place on Zoom. He goes, the coup should have been on Zoom, <laughs> on the internet. Take over Zoom, that's your coup. Not a building. 
I, and I thought, I think that was interesting because that, that is where coups will happen, right? They'll be, it'll happen through hacking and um, taking over of uh, intelligence and information, not necessarily a building. If you want to be more disruptive, yeah. Because let's be honest, what they were trying, and that's a whole other point, what they were trying to interrupt um, was really just a ceremonial uh, It was ceremonial. Activity. It, it was really just stopping like, anything. Yeah, there, there was nothing to be decided on that day because all things mm. had been decided. It was just kind of a, a process, right? And the yeah. government has a lot of different processes that they, that they do to, to certify and validate things. But so no matter what, they were never going to have like a full say, unless unless Pence was going to go along with them, right? Unless there was mm -hmm. some, and, and then he came out saying he wasn't going to, and then they wanted to hang him, which was yeah. There's, there are people there crazy. that were ready to kill Pence. There's some really, and there were others. Oh, there was also a range of people there, right? We had people the, who you were had, just you had super some people that kind of just that they even got into the Capitol. They were just like, whoa, okay, this is interesting. Whoa. I think they just kind of got swept in with it, right? Right. And, then and we're, we're probably just sitting there really confused. Because you had, there's that video of them going into like the, that one part, the whole of, um, what is it, where they have statues. like statues and all the paintings? Statues. And, uh, and they yeah. have the red ropes. So these people storm into the Capitol, like breaking windows, and they get to that one rope, and they the like stay in between the red ropes, and they're like, oh, yeah, stay. Don't, don't, go, don't go past I the thought velvet that was also rope. crazy too. Like I thought that was insane that they were filing down slowly through the red Whoa, whoa, whoa. John, John, back over here. Wrong side of the velvet hey, ropes. You're whoa, taking whoa. this too far. Look, you know what velvet ropes mean. Okay. I don't care who yeah. you stand for, who you voted for. Yeah. That's a velvet rope, good sir. Don't you dare. Haven't you been outside of a club? Get, they'll get mad get at you. They'll, they'll get mad at you for doing this. They'll get they'll get really mad at you for going across that red velvet rope. Don't you know? You know what? It's gonna be okay eventually. I think. Do you think Trump has a presence now? Do you think his brand, to an extent, is amplified uh, post presidency, or does he wither away into the abyss of you mean where, history? Do you mean where it is now because of this? Or do you mean where I see it going or where we think it's going to go? Yeah, where do you see it going? Him as a, as a political... I don't think um, he's going anywhere. Yeah. I think it's going to be around, I think it's going to be around for a while. I, I think that he is going to be illegitimate in more circles now than ever before, right? I think it's going to be like far less acceptable to be to be vocal about being a Trump supporter. And I think it's going to be like yeah. just far more taboo and frowned upon. Right. So it's going to become a, a smaller percentage of the American population. maybe That's at least, you know, vocally supportive of him. But I also think that that small group that is still for him is going to become even more, more uh, vehement and enraged and uh, yep. energetic in what they're going to do. There's a lot of healing that needs to be done. I don't know how that's going to happen, man. How do you- I don't like, know how it's going to happen how, either. How, like, how do you come to terms? I mean, I, I think the left needs to be held accountable to an extent um, with, okay. a, with, a, with, a with a great deal of the polarization. The rhetoric of the left and the, and the Democrats needs to be more inclusive of the of the country as a whole of the people that are not in the urban areas um 
they, they need to not, I think those people feel looked down upon by the left a great deal. I mean, just, I mean, Hillary Clinton saying uh, basket of deplorables. That wasn't okay. good. That was, okay. that was a problem. So that started. Look at, look at what happened. Is that not deplorable? Okay, so that what I mean, okay, so she said those that, are the people he was. She was talking about. That, that is yeah, exactly who she was talking she, about. When she said it, though, it was as if she said, if "You're a Trump voter. You're a deplorable person." At right? this point, so that's, I have a real hard time not feeling the same, even though I know you it's can't not equate true. people that voted for true, Trump four years ago to what's happening now because they didn't true. vote okay, for okay. him after this. That's fair. This that's is a different fair. thing. But what about right. people who just now voted for him just before this? Can you, do you hold people more responsible who, who just now voted for him in his recent election than people who voted for him four years ago? I question why they would do that more so. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it was really clear to a lot of these people until now to how dangerous he was. Um, and you've got people that aren't necessarily voting for him. You have people that were voting basically against the Democratic Party. You've got people that were voting against the left, um, I, I think the left has become more and more left over the past decade. You have people voting against that. You have people voting. Um, it's not that the left has become more left. Voting America's ag- become more left. You have people voting against the, the taxation that would occur. You've got a lot of people that were voting against certain things, but had to vote for Trump to do that. Just like you had a lot of Democrats that weren't necessarily voting for Biden. They were voting against Trump. You had a lot of people that voted for Trump but we're really voting for Trump. They're voting against the Democratic uh, Party ideals. Which, and I don't think you can sit there and call those people deplorable people because they voted for Trump in that regard. You can't, you can't do that. They, they've got, you know, people are voting for their bank accounts. They're voting for what they think serves their best interests for them and their family. Uh, many of those people that voted for him do not like Trump. They think he's a freaking nightmare. But, but this, is, this is their options. I think, no, but it's not. I think that voting for Trump, even though you don't like him, nor... Like, I get so upset when I read interviews about Trump supporters who say things like, and this is like a pretty literal quote that I read, granted, I read it, who knows if it's true, I shouldn't believe everything I read, but it was an idea of, no, I don't like him, I don't approve of the things he says, and I wouldn't invite him into my, into my dining room to have dinner, mm. but I'm going to vote for him. And how can yeah. you believe that that kind of person is okay to put in office, just because your own personal interests are more important than the, the damage that he does to the greater good, right? And I, that's how yeah, I look at it personally, that people had this took their own personal, they, they take their own personal wants to be more important than what is for the Not necessarily. Good. You're also voting for a, a, a different structure of, of, of taxation, there, uh, um, which you believe will help the economy as a whole. Cutting taxes for the rich and like, come on, man. That's not a that's not a tax fund. That's just literally okay. It is. It's a little bit. It's a little bit more complicated than that. I think certain very smart people have a different view of how the economy works. Right? There's economists that have more of a right wing view on what it takes to get the economy going. So you can't hate on some of these people that voted for him for those reasons. This is a different view of how to structure your your economy. That's all it is. And they're willing there's, to there's also there's also a lot of um, uh, you know there's a lot of social reasons. I think the left is racism. Uh, has, yeah, has, the biggest social reason is racism. I, I mean, I, any party that I don't, I, I, I do not think the, okay the vast majority of people that voted for Trump, I don't think are racist. Oh, okay. Well, then 
you and I are not. I don't think. I don't think they're. I don't think they're completely not in the same line of opinion. You think most people that voted for Trump are racist? You think think greater than fifty percent? Over. You think over a quarter of the country in the U.S. is racist? I think like really willingness. I think the not like not like ignorant racist. I mean like hatefully racist. Ignorant racist is racist. Violently racist. It is, but I mean it's also like no. You can't. The majority of Trump supporters are not violently racist. Okay, I would even say that the majority of Trump supporters don't think that they're racist or know Agreed. that they're racist, right? So I get that. But I do think that there's a certain amount of implicit racism to be able to vote for a party that you know is more aligned with white supremacy than the other side. Yeah, right? so I mean, just the willingness, Just the willingness to align yourself in that direction, just even if you don't agree with them, but yeah. your own self-interest and personal interests are more important than the fact that those people hate color like uh, people of color like that in itself is like it's a privilege to be able to vote for that party and vote for your own personal financial concerns because you're not being subjugated you know and oppressed so there's a there's an element to it of naive and ignorant racism that maybe yes is not fair to hold those people to the same level of responsibility for their votes and i think that i think that i would agree with that okay but I know that we're on, we're on slightly opposite sides of this this part. And I think that that's yeah. part of where America is right now. And I think that's yeah. actually really important that people have these conversations and can respect the other point of view. I mean, I, I'm not sympathizing with Trump in any way. I, I, oh, I do know you're sympathize not. I know you're not. for a great deal. I'm not trying to place you on that side. I'm so sorry, Justin, my buddy. I'm not trying to place <laughs> you. I'm not trying to make you speak for the... For the for the Trump supporters of the nation. Why why am I having to speak for the conservatives when I'm a liberal? Because you are more level-headed and less emotional about this, and want to and, and try to have a bit more of an understanding view, and I want to be very so biased about it. I think moving moving ahead, the Democratic whoever's in charge of like the Democratic Party's marketing strategy. <laughs> I don't know if that is an actual person, but if it is, sure. that person needs to be fired. And they need to hire somebody that I don't know is good. I think, uh, and some of these things may feel like in the grand scheme of things, and especially with everything that's going on, some of these points may feel, um, you know, not as important, but I think they do matter with with regards to the branding of the Democratic Party and why you had so many people that uh, stayed on the Republican side. What I think the Republicans got way more of a Hispanic vote than they than they had in like forever. Like, okay, why is that? Why is a president that had such um, toxic rhetoric towards Latin Americans getting the Latin American vote? So, I, and I think, you, I think Democrats forget, but Democrats need to remind themselves, most Latin Americans have very conservative views. They're quite religious. They're really big into the family. It's not surprising that a lot of Latin Americans went and voted Republican in spite that, of the things Trump said. There's a huge amount of the Latin American population on the East Coast that escaped from communism, you know? And so being able to, to say, as you have said, and you, you believe that the Democratic Party has become more left, and I think that is true. I think personally America itself has become more left. And that's one of the reasons that the Democrat Party has, but it has become left and it being labeled as communist is terrifying mm-hmm. to a large part of yeah. the population in America. Um, what but you, you, okay, what, what do you think about Bernie San- Sanders using the term democratic uh, socialism? 
I don't think it's going to help his cause. As no, it as, was stupid. It was stupid. I don't think it's going to help him. Why did somebody not, not go up to him and be like, no, no, Bernie? Like, that's, that was bad. See, branding, that was bad. Um, well, the Democrat Party doesn't have cohesive um, party lines in the same way that the Republican Party has, right? Republican right. Party, they're they're, they're they much more unorganized. Lines. The Republican Party falls in line to what the singular message is because they know that the best yeah. way for them to get most of their goals across is by all aligning themselves in the same direction. Yeah. And the Democratic Party doesn't do that. I actually think it's a good thing that they don't do that because the goal is to Not have- Not if you're trying to beat the Republicans. Well, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, okay, you know what? I mean, did. If, if, we didn't have a, did. if we didn't have a two-party system, sure. If we had a ranked voting, sure, which I think there should be a ranked voting system. That way you get rid of- um, the two-party system altogether. Uh, and I think with the ranked voting, you can even make an argument that with that, there's no need for the Electoral College. Um, so, and ranked voting for people listening that aren't um, privy to what that is, it's basically, you can you vote for multiple presidents. So you, you, you can vote for like your fave five. In order. Right? And, in order. And in order. And everybody gets, so, so that way, you know, you're not just having to go to your base because you, you want to end up high up on other people's scale. You want to, get, you want to be some people's second and third vote as well. So that means you're trying to appeal to the entirety of the country when you're running. So instead of just like these little, these little spots in like Iowa and Pennsylvania and North Carolina, right? Uh, which, which is, you know, you're getting a more honest politician with a ranked voting system, uh, I feel. And so, yeah, I think... I think that solves a lot of your problems right there. Maybe I can't. I like. I know. I know what you speak of, but I don't. I don't know if it would work, and I, I haven't read enough to to know if it does. Anything that brings a larger diversity of political thought to the conversation, yeah. I think, is important, and I think that that is exactly what a ranked voting would do. Like, I think, and that's the biggest problem is that. We're so polarized, there's two options, and bipartisan politics we've shown is really dangerous. And, and it can get more and more polar and extreme as, as you go along. And it doesn't take much to light the fire, as we have seen. I'm going mildly off topic here, but this, this relates back to things that conservatives are finding quite annoying about the left. It relates to that a little bit, because I've heard- Interesting that you want to go Le that direction. Okay, let's go. I heard John Leguizamo, I heard John Leguizamo talk about this. And then I heard um, some other- Is John uh, Lugazamo uh, conservative? No, no, he's very left. That's what I thought. And, I wouldn't have And then I he heard, and I love John Leguizamo. I think he's brilliant. And then I've heard some other um, Latin American um, pundits and comedians go the opposite way from him. So I remember, was it Bill Maher talking to um, John Leguizamo? And Bill Maher was straight up just, I think it was Bill Maher. We'll say it's Bill Maher for now. He was straight up was like, what's with the Latin X thing? Like, why can't it just be Latinos? And John Lang was almost like, ah, because, you know, Latinos is masculine and we want to, you know, be inclusive of our, uh, you know, Latin American sisters, so now it's Latin X. And Bill Maher is sitting here going, but why can't, but isn't Latinos, isn't that, like, in that language, isn't that inclusive of that? And then, you know, John was like, Bill, you need to be hip, man. This is what's going on. We're all doing Latin X. And I was like, I was kind of like, because I, to be honest, I hadn't even heard of Latinx until I got to LA in January. 
And I was, I'm literally filling out things and they're like, can you play a role? And then I see Latinx, I'm like, I don't know if I can play Latinx because I don't know what the hell this is. And I met this management company and I'm like, I literally was like, um, what's Latinx? And they looked at me like I was a freaking alien. And I felt, at that point. and I felt stupid. I was like, I was like, you're they're like, it just means Latin American. I mean, like, why doesn't it just say Latin American? And they're like, because we use Latinx now. And I'm like, oh. So, and the argument I'm trying to make is, is you've got a lot of Latin Americans that think the Latinx thing is freaking stupid. They see it as a thing that was created by woke leftist white people to kind of push more of their left ideals upon them. And I've heard some uh, Latin American pundits being like, we hate this type of shit. This is why you're losing votes. This type of shit is why you're losing Latin American votes. This is why you're losing right votes. Because where does this Latin, they, they, I don't know, it sounds small, just this, this name. But I, and at the same time, I think it matters a little bit. I think when you mount up these kinds of things here, here and there, uh, I think you're, it does make things a little more divisive. And like, again, most Latin Americans socially are very conservative. So I think something like that does irritate a lot of them that are not in the Hollywood industry, I think, uh, or the entertainment industry. I think they sit like in Brownsville, Texas. Like, so I grew up on the border. Right, so I like partially grew up on the border, but my family lives on the border of Mexico. They don't use Latinx. It's not a thing. I've only heard it in Los Angeles. So I, I, I think it, it irritates people just enough. Your thoughts? <laughs> a lot, again, once again, it's a lot. Um, cannot speak to the validity or the importance of the Latin X terminology. Uh, I myself, while having been mistaken for being one yeah. of the Latin X's, uh, am not. And I am, but I have been familiar with the, with the term. And I, I think I knew about the term maybe before you did, maybe not. Um, okay. It just came out of I'm nowhere. Not surprised. I'm not surprised that a, a large portion of the Latin American community would just not subscribe to that. Um, mm -hmm. Because Latina is also a term, just like Latino is a term. And then Latino stands for both male and female as a greater group. Yeah. Now, one, one could say, and I'm not saying that I uh, subscribe to this, but one could say that mm -hmm. inherently within the language, the fact that Latinos would be the assumption of both a mixed male and female group in itself is misogynistic but i'm not saying that myself and that's not the point i mean um i don't know no, that's not the point I'm maybe 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 not and this, like, but, you know, but even if it is even if <laughs> like, it is that's not for like, I mean, liberal americans to decide to change right did it sway the latin american vote i don't know but for sure. Well, no, I'm not saying that, that one no, 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 thing sure. swayed the Latin American no, 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 vote. But I think what you're speaking to is, is, is important and true, which is a certain amount of assumption on the liberal and democratic party. An assumption that the color of one's skin will dictate their vote. Yeah. Will, not, so not correct. An assumption that African-Americans, Latino-Americans, Asian-Americans, there's also a huge portion of conservative Asian Americans out there too, you know? And yeah. so oh, sure. the, because, because of the money, 
because the, the, you can't the deny thing. that if you're wealthy in America, your best economic interest is with the Republican Party. Like, and yeah. that's a that is a point. And in some ways, it's more of an economic divide, not more, but in a lot of ways, it's a huge economic divide along with a racial divide. And they, I think they go hand in hand. Um, but there is a certain amount of arrogance within the Democratic Party, at least in Democratic uh, Democratic Party leadership, in assuming sure. that and assuming that what they in their political sphere has decided is the values of the party and, and what that's really going to attract. And they assume that people who are not white are naturally going to be democratic anyway. And I think that you speak to a, a big surprising factor in this presidential election. Trump expanded his percentage of the Latin American vote and in some places, his percentage of, of the African-American vote in some counties. Yeah. And, and he, expend, he definitely ex, uh, increased his total number of African-American and Latin-American vote, right? Yeah. Um, that's, not, that's not nothing, right? That came from somewhere. No, it's, it's, that's, that's important. It's, a, it's an important thing to, to think about uh, you know, and, and ask, okay, why is that happening? And I think it's for reasons much to do with that. I think it's the and, branding and, of the Democratic Party. And that's why Trump took liberals by such a surprise, both in 2016, as well as the support he's been able to continue having. Mm -hmm. um, they just didn't think that there were such large portions of America that were going to support him. And, and they did. And we're still, yeah. and we're still uh, handling it and having to come to terms with it right now. How we come together, man, I have no idea. I don't even, we're definitely not going to figure it out in this podcast. That's for sure. No, that's not what this podcast is for. We need to, we need to have a political analyst that we invite on. I wish we knew people as smart or as cool I as I feel that. so. My brother-in-law knows about a lot about all this Does stuff. Does he? We can maybe bring him know. on. Correct me if I'm wrong here. But like, I, think, I, guess, I think Southern California has been like, if not the hardest hit, one of the hardest hit by the coronavirus as of late, correct? At this moment, absolutely. Is the worst, yeah. right? Okay, it's also had some of the most uh, strict uh, guidelines to follow, right? For businesses to follow and closures and, and lockdown stuff as well, correct? Is that also safe to say? It has, not okay. necessarily, okay, but continue, continue with your line and then, then yeah. I'll, Okay, so I, and again, yeah. I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm just, I think there's an yeah. argument here that, people, that many people are having. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and go down that path. With that being said, you've got places that are staying open-ish with certain guidelines and regulations, like places in Texas, for sure, um, like Houston and Austin. And they're not having anywhere close to the issues Southern California is having. So what do you attribute that to, A, and then B, at this point, should the government uh, be like, hey, we thought this was going to work. It's not. Things are just as bad as they, as they were before. And it's worse than other places that are open, have opened up to help re-stimulate the economy and save some of the businesses that have not already been crushed. Let's follow similar guidelines that some of these other cities have done so and start the opening up process to at least get the economy going again. And, you know, you know, we got the vaccines coming out. What we're doing isn't working anyway. What do you think about that? Whew. Tonight, Justin, you keep hitting me with, with the heavy ones. Not, not yeah. holding any punches tonight. Um, no. I think 
I know where I stand on it, I think, but I also know this is an incredibly divisive topic right now um, in California. Yeah. It doesn't run, and I think it this, this is a topic lines. that seems to, this topic transcends political divides at this point. Yes, it like does. It's, this, isn't even a, this isn't even a liberal conservative thing anymore. It's not. It's, this is, and I can't perfectly articulate what defines the different opinion on this or different sides. But I do yeah. know that, for example, me and my roommate are on different ends of this, uh, this debate mm. and, we, and we talk about it. Um, a couple of things from my point of view. And I can only list that as my point of view because I've already been forced to admit to many of my friends that I don't know necessarily how right I am about it. And I'm probably wrong about some of this stuff. For example, I'm not a small restaurant owner. And if I were a yeah. small restaurant owner, I'd probably have a completely different Guess, guess who used to be? This guy. Oh, hey, I'm sorry, man. We had to shut three. down because of the pandemic. <laughs> Hugs, brother. Oh, no. Hugs, brother. I never got to eat there. It's so good. I know. I've heard. I mean, anyway, I don't know, I've heard. Go on. Um, a couple of things just about what, what you mentioned in California having some of the strictest guidelines, and it did. Um, mm. It's strictest, but like that period of when it had the stricter guidelines than the rest of the country was mm. predominantly at the early end of the pandemic. Within the right. first, and it also came to California very early on, right after New York, before the rest of the country, too. And regulations were very strict early on. And, and they worked um, um, for the most part at the early on stage when the virus hadn't taken as deep roots into society at work, right? Yeah. I mean, it was still, cases were still on the, they it was still bad. They were still really but, bad though. But we did see a correlation between the dip of cases and, yeah. and the initial point when everybody took it on board or took it upon themselves mm. to follow the restrictions. And I think that's the biggest point is that it's about yeah. following the restrictions because Californians very quickly stopped following the regulations and restrictions and they were never enforced. Mm. Yeah. Um, so these were, they were more like travel advisories. Like they were yeah. more like suggestions rather than anything that was ever yeah. going to be But enforced. I mean, but the, the effects to the businesses were very real. Terrible. Like it, it crushed, it crushed um, businesses all across country but because california's regulations were so strict and yet they weren't necessarily being followed so the the effects of them weren't being seen but enough restaurants stayed closed and it really really hurt them um they tried to amp up restrictions again and it didn't work um yeah. partially because like of right now yeah they're trying to do it again and but it's kind of like trying to put toothpaste back in a bottle um yeah you've already let it out and and people have seen what it's like to be forced to follow regulations and restrictions, but not being given the financial support by the government to be able mm. to follow those restrictions. Mm. And so, and so there's this huge debate. And I think that's where I've heard the biggest debate amongst my friends in California, in Los Angeles is, is the idea that regulations are being required or asked for, but there isn't support given. Um, and, and how can you ask us to close shop and how can you ask us to, to leave yeah. all of the income that we could make and, and starve basically, if you're not giving us anything in return. And that's one of the biggest differences between a lot of countries. Um, a lot of first world countries in America is that the first, a lot of first world countries have been able to take care of their citizens and mm -hmm. offer greater financial support. But after that first period, you know, of, of when the pandemic kicked in America, it all, it all kind of froze up and no more, no more money was given out. And it, it's, it's tough. So what do you think? Open up, roll the dice? No, 
No. You're, so so, you're, I, so you think stay close. So despite down. all of that, like, like tiptoeing, uh, my personal mm-hmm. opinion is that we still need to keep it as locked down as possible so that we can limit as many deaths as possible. Um, yeah. And that's tough. I'm like, I have a, I have a phone call from my brother. I guess, I guess he didn't know that we were podcasting. Didn't know. How do people not know? know? Well, we don't he do it know. live. He didn't, he didn't get uh, the memo, but, um, I say at this point, open up. So, yeah, okay. I mean, but I mean, uh, to the extent, like, kind of just do something similar to what Austin and Houston are doing. Um, you now, know, Texas outdoor dining's fine. A lot of deaths too, you know, um, it's New yeah, York, but Texas, I mean, they, their, their hospital system has been able to, their hospital system has been able to cope with it. So I think one of the main issues with regards to uh, the rise in, in cases and hospitalizations is that the hospitals are not able to handle the amount of people coming in. So now it's not just people that are suffering from COVID that have become a problem. It's just people that are suffering Anybody. from any kind of emergency yeah. and then go in. And now these people can't be treated. So here's something that I think has been a massive uh, freaking fuck up on the part of not just Southern California, but many cities that have been, that have been wanting to figure out how to do this. We knew for ages, the second wave was going to happen. They've been talking about it since fricking May. Why was there not infrastructure built over the last several months to accommodate the uptick in hospitalizations? You can build these things quickly. You can build that. You can build infrastructure buildings um, outside of these hospitals, or you can build makeshift hospitals to where you can start to handle more people. You can create an, a, a structure where, okay, people with COVID, we have all of you people go here. If you were about your COVID, all you other people with normal issues go to this hospital. You, there's enough hospitals in Los Angeles and the Southern part of the US. US is very fortunate that it has a, a decent enough medical care system where there's a, a lot of hospitals. There's hospitals got, fucking everywhere. It's because we got right? space, so, we got land. We got space. So the infrastructure, could have been made. So all this, think about it, all this money that's been going to, towards other things right now that could have been used to build these little temporary hospitalization centers. Well, um, I, I don't sure, know what man, money You had time, you had time. Okay, Nobody, I don't, And this didn't even, this didn't even come up. It wasn't even freaking mentioned. Everybody's like, the second wave's coming. And I don't even remember, remember anybody talking about this. It's like, It's hard to tell if the responsibility lies on state government or federal government, probably both. True. Definitely oh. both. Um, there hasn't been enough funding. And, and you know what? I am polarized in my Democratic views and I'm biased. And, I'm, and I believe that the Republican Senate has blocked a lot of the funding that, that states needed to be able to secure this. But at the same time, you're right. We, yeah. At the same time, you're right. Everybody knew the second wave was coming. And I think that Complacency set in everywhere. Failed leadership, Alan. Oh, well, that without a doubt. But you know what? That, yeah. that has been the... Uh, At the federal and state level. It's been the thing for a long time right now, right? Drives me crazy when people like Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, says everyone stay in and lock down. And then he's seen going out to private dude. dinner parties with like no mask on and stuff. And it's dude, like... He's dropped the ball. 
it's messed up, you know, like failed le leadership asking extreme so, things from its, their people and then not following and showing the setting an example themselves. And that's tough. What, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think about this um, mass um, exodus of known Californians that are just leaving? Joe Rogan, Elon Musk, um, um, uh, what's that, that, that political, that Jewish um, political pundit guy? Um, fuck, anyway, he left for Nashville. Um, a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends are looking for jobs in like Arkansas and stuff. <laughs> like we're out, like we're done, we can't do this anymore. What do you think? I'm never leaving California. Is California really shooting themselves in the foot here though, with all this? What do you mean? Oh, like. I don't think California is doing a worse job than the rest of the country, at least not significantly so. Tell I that think to this a, thunderstorm. It got really angry when you said that. I think they have a much, I think they have an extreme hard situation. I think every state with a high population of people is having a hard situation. And any state with yeah. like enormous cities that have huge, a huge percentage of the nation's population living in them, anywhere where there's high density population is going to be harder to take care of because you can't socially distance as well. And I think that is one yeah. difference between Los Angeles and, and well, big cities in Texas are also highly dense. Houston, Dallas, so, yeah, no, 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 I held, I held back. I, I, I held yeah. myself before going there. Cause I do recognize that big cities in Texas aren't that different. Um, so I don't know, man, like it's so fucked up all over the country. I'm not going to leave California mm -hmm. to another place in the nation where I believe it's going to be better. Um, yeah. This, I, this is, I'm so, I don't want to, I don't want to have crazy weather in other states. It's really nice here still. Crazy weather. You know, I don't want Weather in Austin is pretty nice. Uh, yeah, it's hot. Yeah. It's hot in the yeah. summer. It's hot in the summer. Yeah, you can get a little, a little hot, a little hot. But well, I lived in Singapore. Have... I lived in Singapore. I can't get that weather. Oh, it gets way hotter than, than here. But less humid at those times. Oh no, it gets pretty humid. No, there. no, just as humid. Yeah, yeah. it was tough. Yeah, see, they, it snowed what? there. It snowed there yesterday in Austin, which alone is crazy. A lot of snow. Uh, yeah, cool. Good talk. I think I think we have covered. Yeah, an we're good. Array of things, a myriad of things that has been Def. both helpful for my my psyche as well as my just my emotions in general to let some. This is this is a messed up time. Uh, but there's good it things. Is. I think I, I'm not sure. Maybe it is messed up. I have to, I have to do fucking branded live streams for a living right now. Hey, I know you can do it. <laughs> you, you have branded live stream in your blood. Can I just say it? You were, you were, you were born to do this. May, mm -hmm. Maybe she's made with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. I think I have to say that next week. <laughs> <laughs> if you do a Maybelline branded live stream, I will. I, I won't be able to handle myself. That would be. You'd be so good at it. Look with your fresh yes. right now. Look at this hair. You've already. You, you think this hair just curls. happens? You think this? You think this happens, Alan? No. Maybe. Or maybe it's Maybelline. You never know. I, I hope to never find out, Justin. But uh. Yeah. Hey. Are we podcasting yet? I never know, man. But I always enjoy talking with you. This has been crazy. And to everybody who possibly tuned into this point, thanks for listening. And we'll see you again on another episode of Are We Podcasting Yet? And we're going to have happier things to talk about, right, Justin? Maybe.
I hope so. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs>